The culture has this notion that freedom is the ability to do whatever it is you want. What is freedom is the ability to do what is good. We are women encouraging and equipping women to universally and uniquely serve Christ in their feminine vocation. By embracing joy, laughter, freedom, and friendship, we are seeking to thrive in the trenches of our domestic churches. Welcome to Thriving in the Trenches podcast. This is Becky Carter. And this is Megan Schreiber. And on today's episode, we are continuing to unpack our pillar of freedom. And we're going to be talking about how this relates to women as we are authentically living out our feminine vocation. We are honored to have a special guest on today's show. Our guest today is Gloria Purvis. Gloria is presently the co-host of Morning Glory on EWTN Radio. She is the creator and host of EWTN's series, Authentically Free at Last. Gloria has extensive background in pre-cana, in the pro-life movement, and in natural family planning. Welcome, Gloria. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever time it is. So thank you so much, Becky and Megan, for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure. Yes, thank you. Well, Gloria, I would like to just start out and ask you to tell us a little bit about your family life. Well, I am primarily, you know, I do a radio show, but my primary role is really wife and mother. I have right now, my daughter is six years old. Her name is Lourdes. Um, I've been married a oh, long time, well, probably not long to some of your listeners, but over 20 years. And really, after I am up at the crack of dawn and go and do the show, I come back home and then get right back to things that you have to do as a mom, you know, getting the laundry, uh, cooking, planning meals, doing whatever kind of chores and housework. And because I'm a secular Carmelite, praying, that's really important to do that as well um, in the morning, if I can, before the show or either after the show a little bit to spend some time in the chapel there and then come home and still try to pray while I'm while I'm at home, trying to lift my mind to the Lord. So I try to find him as um, Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection says, among the pots and the pans. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. That's a beautiful, beautiful day, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> we're going to go ahead and kind of dig in. So Gloria, when I learned that we were going to be able to have you on our show, I did a little Googling and tried to find all the good things that you have been involved with. And I had an extensive list, but um, the the one piece that stuck out to me was an interview that Father Mitch Pacwa did with you uh, and Deacon Burke and mm-hmm. Damon Owens, where you three were doing a fabulous work called Authentic- Authentically Free at Last. And Father made a he he uh, he quoted, or I'm quoting Father Mitch Pacwa, mm-hmm. and he says, "False freedoms sold to us by the culture, and the tr- and the true freedom bought for us by Jesus Christ." Oh yeah, oh my and, gosh, yeah, yeah. So that is. That's where I want to start, is talking about these false freedoms that were being sold by the culture versus the true freedom bought for us by Jesus Christ. 
Well, you know, I think Father Mitch is just fantastic, and he summed it up so beautifully. But when we talk about freedom, and I'm glad he said false freedom, the culture has this notion that freedom is the ability to do whatever it is you want. And one of the things that we point out in the series is that, no, that's that's actually license. <laughs> what is freedom is the ability to do what is good. Now, in our culture, the meaning of what's good has been completely perverted. And I would say, particularly as a woman, a lot of the things that are good and beautiful and true about being female are the very things that the society, our culture, tells us what holds us back. Um, they say that our ability to bear children, they treat it really as it's an impediment that must be overcome by any means, any negative means necessary. And it just, in my opinion, they talk about misogyny. I actually think the very things that they say liberate us are actually things that oppress us and don't, don't tune us into what is beautiful and true and good about ourselves. And so just um, in a way, the very things that they tell us will free us as women are the things that actually keep us chained. I mean, it's not good to act against your body. It is not good to have an attitude that your body, the way God created you, is in itself your enemy. I, I think it sets up in our mind that we as women start out of the gate as, as that we're defective. And when you start to say you're defective, well, who made me this way? If God made you this way and he made you defective, then there's something wrong with God, right? And so then we think we can take on that role and recreate ourselves in the image that we think we should be rather than embracing the gift of how God made us and comp con contemplating why he made us female. Just a few thoughts. Oh, yeah. gosh. <laughs> just, a, just a few major thoughts. It's okay, so... we're all done. Thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, we could tease through a lot of that, but it's just like we, we have to, I just... Just out of the gate, we we need to really think about well, what is this? What are these things that they're they're telling us? I remember I was talking with a priest, and he was like, you know, yeah, I just don't want everything to be all about pelvic issues. And I said, yeah, of course not. I said, but let me just tell you something. Uh, you know, being born female, uh, I can tell you from early ages, a lot of us have the experience of people just wanted to get to our pelvises, and so if the church can't tell us what's beautiful and true about that aspect of ourselves, we're going to get it from uh, somebody that wants to seduce us, some lothorio mm -hmm. that just wants to use women for their own uh, measure. And I said, but, you know, you didn't have that experience as a man necessarily or as a boy from very earliest ages, somebody uh, trying to get to you in that way, you know. Mm -hmm. I said, so I think it's as women, we have a, a, a different perspective um, in, in, in that way. And uh, we have to explore it and talk to each other about it. And, uh, yeah, I think I do think there's a, a place for us to have this talk woman to woman. Because I, I have found women that are just reflexively angry if a man says, says the very same things that I say. So right. we do have responsibility to talk sister to sister, mother to mother, you know, woman to woman um, about, you know, the 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 freedom that has been afforded us as females. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, something else, Deacon Harold. Um, hold on. <clears throat> oh, this is killing me this morning. <laughs> okay. Something else that Deacon Harold really brought up in that interview was um, that we got to stop being defensive. Oh, yeah. We got to mm -hmm. be 
offensive. Mm-hmm. And he referenced Ephesians 6, putting on the armor. And he, when he talked about the armor of God, it's on the front. Mm-hmm. Because the church has got your back. Absolutely. Yes. And he's right. And that's, that's who we are, right? We are the church too. And uh, we were talking about like when you're in, uh, people from New York City will probably get this. When you're in the metro platform that waiting for the train, um, you, if you're with your friends, you don't worry because you're like, somebody's got your back. Nobody's going to come up behind you and catch you off guard, push you into the tracks, right? Mm-hmm. Because while you're looking over your friend's shoulder to make sure they're okay, they're looking over yours as well. So it's we're in this together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We're in this together to help us uh, get onto the path to, to righteousness, to holiness, and toward heaven. And in, in that regard, I also think <sighs> we have that responsibility to sort of work through and discern together, you know, these messages from the culture and refract them through the lens of our Catholic faith. Mm -hmm. And um, even just watching commercials on TV or even just watching a television show to just be very attuned to, you know, what what message was that they they were giving me? I I found that um, I have to be very careful with what I watch because I'm like, wow, they just slipped that right in there and, and made something so normal that we know is completely detrimental to us. And a lot of times the very premise of a woman's being or freedom or whatever is already from the gate a hobbled one. And we need to recognize that and say, well, wait a minute, why are you hobbling who I am? Let's walk upright and on the fullness of our, our femaleness and not make it, I like to say, um, that our current culture really tries to set the pattern for female perfection as being that of a man. Because everything is about a woman being able to achieve um, without dealing with the special aspect of the female body. So everything about our freedom is centered around our being able, our bodies responding to sex in the same way that a male's body does. In other words, a man can have sex and not be pregnant. Okay, And that's a normal state of being for a man. <laughs> they want that to be the normal state of being for a woman. In fact, they want us to uh, think not only that that's normal, but it's good, it's beautiful, it's true. And this is where we can have, uh, this is the only way or the best way that we can achieve freedom. And I'm like, no, that is, that's absolutely false. And it sets us up for a sort of, uh, fear and self-hatred. And I think that's especially true with um, now the resurgence of Margaret Atwood's A Handmaid's Tale, which is now being, uh, you know, has been made, uh, remade and is being broadcast. And as a central part of the fear of this dystopian society is that how women are prized because they can bear children. And they take the opposite view the, the radically opposite view of how we look at women today, but they do it in a authoritarian, punitive, demeaning way. I was like, both ends have the view of who we are incorrect, and we should speak out against the false view um, in Margaret Atwood's tale, as well as the false view that current culture gives us. So, for example, I'm like, I should not fear the fact that I am and can bear children, but the way they t- turn it on its head in Margaret Atwood's tale is that is the only w- reason women are prized. 
<laughs> and that's that is deficient of we know as Catholics. And in current society, the only reason that they say or one of the chief ways women can achieve is to squash and run away from or hide or fear our ability to bear children. And it's not the only thing that makes us, I would say, as a Catholic, it is one of the ways that we are special. It is not the only way. I mean, we're whole persons. But I would say we have to focus on that as well because it is this great gift, this privilege, if you will, to be able to cooperate in God's creative plan in a special way that we are the intimate caretakers, like that little secret between us and the Holy Spirit, that we have this new life in our bodies, um, is, is something that I, I emphasize it because it's so greatly demeaned. It's not to say that's the only thing that's special about us, but I would say it's something that's very unique and beautiful and a part of the way we can come to understand freedom that our culture very much wants us to to um, degrade, if you will. Right. So, so many things that, that I need to touch on. No, it, it's so it's so needed. It's so real. It's so rich. And just thinking off of that last point is like like anything that... Let me jump back when you when you talked about that priest saying, you know, I don't want it all about the pelvic area, and you really mm-hmm. kind of addressing that. The height of femininity is our receptivity, right? That's mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. is so much of who we are, whether we actually have physically birthed a mother or we have mm-hmm. a mother's heart to minister to others and to bring Jesus Christ to others. That's our mm-hmm. it's our receptivity and our ability to do that. So mm-hmm. that's a, that's important, and if if women are not being evangelized by God, they're being evangelized by the devil. So mm-hmm. right, and it, and that's so much of what we we see in the culture. So and how does the old boy work? He takes a sliver of truth and then just twists it. So it's that perfect example of the Handmaid's Tale, right? Is then mm-hmm. now taking this piece of truth that women can bear children and distorting it on the other end. So Mm -hmm. we have to find that middle ground. We have to find that for not just the sake of our survival as women, but for, for our counterparts and the compatibility of men. A couple years ago, I was at a football game uh, and a recent graduate from college, maybe she's been in the working world two, two years or something. We were chatting and she found out I had six kids. She was like, Whoa. She's like, yeah, my friends and I are really thinking this motherhood thing is really overrated. Ah. And I literally looked at her as like, you don't know what you're missing. Like, I I almost just really had to say to her, and then I I almost wanted to say to the guy that was standing near us, is like, hey, you don't want women thinking like this. Because the first Mm -hmm. person disposable is not the child. It's you. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. no need for the male at all. So... This is like there's so many levels of distortion that that are woven into this idea of suppressing the true view of femininity. And it needs to be talked about. And I love what you're saying about women, talking to women about it, because there is all of a sudden there's that common ground. I'm a woman, you're a woman, right? Mm-hmm. We want to elevate each other. And how are we going to do that? And how are we going to expose what that false freedom is? A lot. Well, and I, and I, you know what? And as you mentioned, talking to the guy next to you or wanting to say to him, you don't want that. The other thing that comes to mind is we actually now have to talk to women and help them understand that only women can be women. Only females can be women. Right. Because 
even now we have through I think and in my my opinion is that with the advent of uh, the pill because we have a generation or two now that has the experience of a female body absence absent pregnancy you know what I mean or absent that understanding that this is a special role a special gift that only women have um, that they now don't differentiate they they now have reduced us to um, high heels, lipstick, and cleavage, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you've got that, then you're a woman. And I'm like, right. absolutely not. I mean, I think even if we could talk about how, you know, this whole notion that highly, like men dressed as women, not only just women, but highly sexualized looking women makes them female. I mean, what a, what a, what a what a way to demean to demean us. So you can't tell me that because I'm in sweats and no makeup, my hair pulled back and doing housework, that I'm less of a woman than that. I, that a man in high heels and lipstick and you know all this fakery is more more of a woman than me. I'm like being a woman is not a costume, right? You know, being a woman is just being a woman. And again, it's. It's uh, this false notion that whatever our thoughts are can recreate can can recreate physical reality. Like I, I keep sure. thinking that that's such a, a mockery of God's creative power. And God made us male and female for a reason. And the more that we try to um, remake woman into what we think it is rather than trying to discover and contemplate why God made us the way we are and our role um, here in history and to help others around us get to heaven, I think the more, uh, how shall I say this, the more blind, I guess, we are, the more blind we are, um, the more uh, unable we are to receive uh, God's truths. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um so it's like we're almost, I won't say we're almost, it's like our culture wants to blind us so that we can't read the transcript that God has written for us about the human person. Right. That's, it's true. And you wonder where, where is it going to end? You know, where, yeah. where does the line stop? And, and to, I'm, I'm, this is a kind of snarky comment, and I'm sure I'm going to cut this out. But, you know, <laughs> our, our girls um, are athletes, okay? And they've been recruited mm-hmm. athletes, and they're, they're, they're good. Um, our one, our, th- our third in line isn't quite as tall as the older two. She isn't quite as fast as the older two. And I was like, hey, in today's culture, all you have to do is identify. Just when you, <laughs> could you imagine that? Right? Could you, right? right? Just imagine that you're 6'2 and that you actually, your time is this. And when they challenge you on the fact of it, you can say, I have identified as a fast athlete from the beginning. And are you, right? We could take right. it to that absurdity. Right. We, we, I, right. Thank you. I mean, uh, that is such an excellent way to drive home the absurdity that uh, you just have to think it in physical reality, objective reality somehow uh, lines up with that. Right. It's, it, it's, such, uh, it's such a problem. And the, people have so bought into these radically false notions of freedom that they now lack the capacity to be able to say, actually, no. That's not true. You know, that's not real. Because then people say, well, who are you to tell, dictate my reality right. to me? And I'm like, it's not your reality. It's just reality, period. 
That's it. And how we we do need to have those conversations because it's, you know, I'm continuing on with the absurdity, but what then Mm -hmm. prevents somebody from saying, you know, they're interviewing for a job and saying, uh, well, you know, no, I make this salary. Well, well, actually we we know that you don't make that salary. Well, Mm -hmm. I've identified with being in a millionaire since I was, so, so therefore this is what I should get paid. I mean, at what point do we stop and say there is, there there are facts to the existence mm-hmm. of reality and how we respond mm-hmm. to those. Becky, you had said Deacon, Deacon Harold had, had said it about mm-hmm. not being on the defensive. Mm-hmm. We yeah. do have to move away from that. We, we have mm-hmm. to be empowered and confident in our walk with Christ, in, in speaking the truth into women's lives, into our own lives as women, mm-hmm. right? Because I th- what, what's gotten our culture to the point of absurdity, probably, is that we we have been on the defensive for, for years mm-hmm. and years and years because things have con- consistently been turned on us, whether it's mm-hmm. the idea of mercy or it's the idea of compassion or, or it's the idea of freedom. We've been accused of things falsely, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then therefore then we've responded in a way that's knee-jerk because nobody wants to say that they're not merciful or that they're they're not offering freedom or they're not offering dig- dignity. So mm-hmm. it's that confusion. And what we're hoping that our listeners can take away from a lot of these conversations that we're having, and most notably this one, is mm-hmm. to really understand what freedom means, to mm-hmm. have the courage and the character and the uh, fortitude to, um, to live that out. Yesterday, I saw that... Uh, Pope Francis did a TED Talk. I don't know if anybody saw some of that. Yeah. mm -hmm. Okay. And something that jumped out at me, he said, he he spoke about tenderness. And he said, tenderness is fortitude. And I love Mm -hmm. that. Because when I I think about our our femininity and who is the height of that, of course, is the Blessed Mother. Mm -hmm. She was fierce and she was tender. And that Mm -hmm. tenderness was not a weakness. It was a strength. And that mm-hmm. is what we have as, as women, is that heart and that compassion and that tenderness. And we have to have the courage to live it out in truth. You know, as you say that, you know, I was thinking about the height of femininity is receptivity and, you know, this tenderness. And I thought about, you know what? From the beginning, women have never been alone. I mean, if you think about this, when Eve was created, there was already some, you know, Adam was there. So we have this gift, I think, of, of knowing how to be in relation to another. And um, in these relationships, right, um, and choosing to say and do what is good, we understand we can also do this with a tenderness and a firmness. So, so let me give you an example. And not being on the defensive, you know, God is so funny. If you, once you say yes, he's going to give you all kinds of opportunities, let me just tell you. So here I am, I'm out to lunch with... Um, Three ladies I used to kickbox kickbox with back in the day. One's an atheist. Two are fallen away Catholics, and um, they completely have these ideas that are just not what the church is. Not any of this stuff. And we're just talking and having a good time. And lo and behold, the whole issue comes up of abortion and how you know in the political climate how women are being so 
uh, oppressed because, you know, their right to choose is being taken away. And I'm thinking, really, Lord, really? Here in a restaurant, <laughs> you're going to have them bring this up. And you know I can't just let this go. <laughs> you know? And so, I, you know, I just started smiling. And I said, now, you all know that I think that's a crop. And they were like, well, you you know, Gloria, you're Catholic, and I said, yeah, but it doesn't mean. I said, let's even if we, if I, if I weren't Catholic, I mean, let's just let's just break through this. I was like, one of you is a scientist. What do you think's growing in the womb? A uterus? I mean, a, a carburetor? And my girlfriend was like, the other one was like, I just don't believe a per- it's a person. I said, you may not believe that, and I said, but science will tell us it's a human in there. What do you, I mean, that's what that is. And um, I, she was getting really defensive. My other girlfriends were kind of like the scientist one. The one that's really science-based was kind of, she was, you know, it's like almost for the first time somebody actually introduced us in a conversation to her about abortion. And she was just like nodding her head like, you know what, she's got a point. It is human, you know. Um, And for her to say, you know, my other girlfriend who's the atheist to say, you know, I just feel so marginalized by that. And I was like, it. I was like, why? I said, you're one of the strongest, most capable women I know. I said, in fact, you know, you're very much into ecology and eating healthy why would you think the natural, healthy functioning of your reproductive system is a bad thing or holds you back? I said, I just want you to think about that. And and I could tell it was bothering her, but at the same time, she was kind of getting, she says, well, you know, your whole religion is all about if a woman's not pure and she's not a virgin, you know, that she has no worth. I said, where on earth did you get that? <laughs> she's like, it's your whole thing with the Blessed Mother. What's most important about her is her virginity. I said, no, sir. What's most important about her is her relationship with God and that she said, yes. I said, her virginity was a sign, mm-hmm. but it was not the most important thing. And I was like, I'm sorry you had bad catechesis. But that's not what we believe. I said, in fact, if you look at the Catholic Church, its message about women and who we are is the most beautiful message. And, you know, I share with her one of my favorite lines I like to tell people. I was like, the Catholic Church didn't ask me to check my fertility at the door in order to become a full member. Right. You know, but isn't that pretty much what society is telling us we need to do as women to be able to participate in the economy? You know, if if we're if we have the opportunity or the or the requirement to have to work outside the home. And so it was in that way. You know what the, what they said to me? They said, you know what, Gloria, you make Catholicism sound all right. And I just <laughs> wish that that women could could be giving that message. I was like, well, I just gave it to you. Yeah. They're like, no. <laughs> They're like, no, we mean to be priests, to be priests. And I said, uh, I said, there it is again. I said, this is the idea that what is to be male is to be perfect. Yes. And I was like, in fact, not every man can be a priest. Okay. And I said, but every woman has within her that sign, if you will, that icon of uh uh, you know, this ability to have this life within us. I said, men through the sacrament of holy orders ordained to change, you know, bread and wine and to Jesus. We as women, just in our bodies, are by nature ordained to nourish and grow nascent human life. Right. I was like, we each have a role. I was like, and, and while not every woman can and is a mother or will be a physical mother, we can in our relation, our understanding of relating to other human beings, be that nurturer. And I was like, so it's not, I said, the truth is still true, whether it's spoken by me or by a priest or whomever. I was like, I just, 
you know, we have to get beyond this notion that um, the only power is in the clerical class, you know. And, and right. so it was just, but to have that conversation over brunch and a few sangrias, you know, <laughs> in a restaurant, you know, willing to risk the friendship, yeah. but also understanding and recognizing and being able to see you can tell the truth and you can use your relationship, your wit, your humor and your tenderness to be able to talk about things that are, where people are vulnerable. And also because abortion is so pervasive in our society, you never know when you're also talking to yep. to a, a woman that has experienced mm -hmm. that. Right. And so, you know, I'm not it's not to say that after, you know, after the conversation was over, I could tell my friend was hurting. And so, you know, I also had to reach out to her afterwards, you know, via text message and just reassure her. You right. know, just reassure her because um, there, there's, there's a lot going on. That's right. But w I had the ability to do what was good in that situation because I was willing to risk. You know what I mean? I was willing to risk uh, making a scene in a restaurant because you just don't know how people are going to respond. Right. I was right. willing to risk risk my friendships with them. That's you know? right. Be but in a way, not because... Um, I didn't love them, but it's because I love them. Of course. You know what I mean? That's right. It's because right. I love them. And that's where I think that when we talk about having the courage, um, and also I did say a prayer in my mind after I took a sip of my sangria, because I was like, really, Lord, right here? And I took a sip of <laughs> Well, here we go. <laughs> you know? And so always, you know, you have those, you can have those quiet little conversations with him when you see he's presenting the situation that you're like, Ugh, oh, no. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that makes me think of, of Jeremiah, right? The Lord said, he, I will touch your lips and give you the, give you the words to say. And yeah. so in our walk in faith, you, you exampled in that moment, Gloria, I think the height of femininity, right? Which is you, you were available you were receptive mm -hmm. and you were courageous. And those mm -hmm. things are what we need to carry. And what does that availability mean? It means that in communion with God, that our, our heart is available to where God is leading us. And then the receptivity, of course, of the Holy Spirit to take us there. And that's mm -hmm. just so beautiful. And, and <laughs> I've, I've said this before, I have to really kind of maybe reword this a little bit, but you know, when you come to know Jesus and you, you, you know, knowing Jesus means you love him because you can't know him and not love him, right? He's so right. lovable. Yeah. Amen. Right? Yeah. It's like, if I'm not living for Jesus, what am I living for? Mm -hmm. I had an expletive in there before, so I had to kind <laughs> of say, okay, those are worded that, Schreiber. But, right. See, it sounds a little bit classier, right? But, but it's yeah. true. If I'm waking mm -hmm. up and I'm living for fill in the blank, yeah. What really? I, I mean, if I if I really believe, right, all that I claim to believe, I will live mm -hmm. every minute the way you did over brunch drinking a sangria. And by the <laughs> way, that's not a bad way to live. I mean, can we go ahead and schedule that for us? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. That's right. And and you know because because we have to debunk that myth that mm -hmm. following Jesus is boring. We have to debunk mm -hmm. that myth that. You know, following Jesus means we're going to lose everything. Yes, right. we we will risk a lot, but at mm. what? It's not mm -hmm. about this earthly journey. It is about True. eternity. And so there we go back to that. If I'm not living for Jesus, then what am I living for? And, and you know, I think it's so important that we we talk 
like this and we remind ourselves because sometimes we can't get lost in the, oh I gotta mop the floor oh I gotta get the repairs done on the house and you know and and be okay with that and, you know we're not saying that uh, living for Jesus means you shirk all your responsibilities, right? Right. You know what I mean? Because sometimes people take it the other way. Oh, I should care about nothing. I mean, he gave us certain responsibilities, you know, uh, where we are at our state in life, that these are things that we, we handle. But there's a, how should I say this? There is a, uh, I guess through maybe discipline, really, even amongst doing these daily tasks, you you can, you, you raise your mind to him. I had a Carmelite priest tell me, because I was like, how am I supposed to keep him always in mind? He says, you have a, a little girl, don't you? Um, and I was like, yeah. He says, well, you know how when you're doing stuff, sometimes you're like, where's the kid? You know what I mean? <laughs> you're like, uh, where? he says, if you just remember, you know, just put Jesus in there, even though you may be doing the dishes or you may be um, you're looking at the bills or whatever, you know, your mind just is always like, you know, on your child in some way. And that had been so helpful to me. You know, it's always that I know that he's he's here. Right. He's here with me. Right. Um, and it's it been a nice way to help me recall him when I'm not, you know, alone in solitude and prayer, you know, while I'm in these activities, I know he's here. I, I, it's, I, and I don't know if that's just something now that once I've had a child that I can relate to more, but it's one of the things that I've used. Um, and for those who don't have children, one friend told me, anytime you think of your breath or you think, listen to your heartbeat, just say in your mind, as you're listening to your breath or your heartbeat, say Jesus's name in rhythm to that heartbeat um, in your mind. Right. It's just if you ever pay attention to your heartbeat throughout the day. And I thought, you know, at the time, you know, before I had a child, that, that was very helpful to me as as well. Sure. And it's a way of, um, you know, being in, in relation in relation to him, I guess. That's that, beautiful. And that's freedom. Mm-hmm. Right? That's freedom because God has put each of us where we are for a reason, for a purpose, what, is, what did Mother Angelica say? Something She says something really funny. No surprise there, right? She was <laughs> so funny. Um, you know, about the time and the place that God has called you to change the world. Now get cracking, I think was her final line on that. We'll, we'll put that quote on the, on the page. But that's that freedom, is that we go out into our world and our living and our, our responsibilities, and Jesus is there with us. And it's mm-hmm. that it's that, that availability of our heart. It I, I think I I used to to put myself in a little like well I'm I'm there for him when I'm sitting in adoration, and then I just mm-hmm. put on a different hat and I go to the grocery store and I do. No, it's it's that integration in everything that we're doing, and I love tying that into thinking about your child or thinking about the breath that you're taking. It is, it's constant. And that ultimately is freedom because we don't feel bound that we can only live out our faith on Sundays or we can only live out our faith while we're sitting and holding a holy hour, right? Mm-hmm, it's it's mm-hmm. everywhere. Well, the scriptures tell us to pray without ceasing. So how mm-hmm. do we do that? And that's exactly what you're saying. In the pots mm-hmm. and the pans, you know. In, in the pots the and the pans. <laughs> you know what? You know what? In the toilet. You, you know what? Let me tell you something. I, I, this, it was one time I was in the bathroom, and I just had this moment where I, I – it's hard to describe where I was like – I had this moment where I was like, Lord, just I'm so broken. And I fully knew he was right there. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's – yeah, in the toilet. You're absolutely right. He is with us everywhere. Right. And when we have these – 
particular case, you know, it's almost ridiculous that we think, okay, you know, once I, you know, I make this little place over here and I'm there, but somehow he's only there. No, he is everywhere with us. And I tried to think about that. I sometimes try to think about that when I have a moment of, um, yeah, everybody does it. You, you know, your, your emotions might be like, ah, oh, you get scared. Like, am I really going to do this? Am I really going to say that? And he is with you. You know what I mean? You're not alone. I, and I, we don't know what it's like, you know, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. But it sure must have been something if he was sweating blood, right? Right, right. right. And yet he still, out of love, moved forward and took on this agonizing death so that we may have the chance at heaven. And I thought, okay, Lord, if I could just even in those moments of fear or worry, just, just know, just put your hand on me or steady me or, or, you know, it may not take away the fear, but I'm still going to act. You know what I mean? I'm still going to do despite what these emotions might be doing. And sometimes I really believe the enemy also can stir up these emotions with us in us to stop us from, Mm -hmm. um, from, from doing what is right. And, 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 and then but let, let me just say this. When those temptations come, I, I think we should see them as invitations to grow in virtue. And if we fail, it's an invitation to grow in humility and help us recognize how much we do need the Lord and His grace. And, uh, and when I started to think of things that way, it made it less burdensome and tiresome, I guess, in a way that I knew that whatever came to me was an opportunity. Um, Because even the enemy can't act. He cannot act without God's permission. Right. Right. And so that's when I started to say, well, this is an invitation of virtue. I mean, I think about Job, right? Yes. Think about how Job, right? The the enemy went to Lord and and so then he went and tested Job. And, you know, we just need to, we just need to get back and think of it that way. There's always an invitation to virtue and if not an opportunity to grow in humility and always, always the ability to go and have recourse in the sacraments and to to, um, encounter Christ in that way as well. Wow. I love that. Yeah. I'm hanging on to that because, <laughs> no, I really am. The, you know, there's a difference between, be, I, I described to the, the idea of, you know, the enemies whispering, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, cause we're, we're all prone to it. And it's mm-hmm. sometimes I have to stop and say, really, but like, like my loving father say that, right? Mm-hmm. Just sit with that. And then recognizing it and then I this is the point that I love you're bringing up is saying okay this is a virtue like who doesn't want to go after that it's an invitation mm-hmm. and a and a and a good challenge and mm-hmm. something that has a prize at the end of it right if mm-hmm. if we're if mm-hmm. we're pursuing it so that that's really awesome to bring up i love that yeah i yeah. I, I think we need to do i think we need to think like that sometimes we think we have to be this that somehow perfection you know, I don't know that if we if we uh, somehow we think we're supposed to be free of temptations to show that we're holy. And I was like, it's just the opposite. People we are yeah. going to be assailed. That's but it's just that's how we're right. able to deal with it. You know what I mean? That's right. Yeah, that's exactly mm-hmm. right. Gloria, too, you have such a gift. I mean, I just need to affirm that, really. I mean, yes. you you. I said to her, Becky, before when I had her on the phone, I'm like, "You're so beautiful!" Like she's got this, she's got this gorgeous smile, and it's like staring oh, you're back at me. Very my nice, but but I think there's well, there's there's a lot 
coming through in that smile too. I think there's, there's this approachability, there's this safety, there's this non-judgmental sense when you speak. And to me, that's the most compelling means of living the gospel. Thank yeah. you so much for um, allowing me the opportunity to talk with you and Becky and for being so kind and, 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 and um, reaffirming, you know, and affirming that you believe that I, that I have these gifts. And um, I think you all are beautiful too, honestly, I really do. And God bless you for having the, um, you know, the desire and follow through to be able to do these podcasts, you, you reach a lot of souls. Mm. And I'm, I'm sure that okay. even ones you don't know, we'll meet them all in heaven. Right. And, and mm-hmm. then you'll see, okay, because of this, this person, you know, it's just, wow. it'll be, it'll be fun to see what happens on the other side, right. based on what we're, we're doing now. Mm. So thank you yeah. again. Yes. We could do a, sang- a sangria fest. You someplace. know it. <laughs> you know, oh my come, goodness. To, come to Arkansas and do one, come to Philly, <laughs> yep. and go to D.C., New York. You oh, never know. Awesome. You never know. You never know. I love you it. Never know. The Lord <laughs> plans. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Good does. stuff. It's an adventure. Oh, Gloria, thank, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you all. All right. Take care, everybody. Okay, God take bless. care. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. God bless. Well, Becky, is Gloria amazing? Um, I really do want to go sit down and drink sangrias with her. I know. I know. <laughs> She's so awesome. Uh, just approachable and beautiful and full of wisdom. And it just is so great. What a blessing. And mm-hmm. she's she's agreed to come back. I know. We're going to so talk excited. to her because she's just loaded with richness. So we're going to we're going to be able to talk to her more on this topic of freedom with with Gloria. What I just so loved is that constant theme of what freedom really is, and it is the ability to do what is good. You know what is good, true, and beautiful. I I enjoyed how she also focused on the fact that the culture is really claiming that things that liberate us are actually what oppress us. And Mm -hmm. we have to keep that in mind. Yeah. I mean, I will go back to this all the time, but you have to know the story of the Israelites and when they were released from bondage from the Egyptians, but they kept wanting to go back. And so we have to keep remembering, and they were believing a lie. They thought it would be better because they would have food than to live on this bread that keeps dropping out of the sky and the uncertainty, the unknown of what lie ahead of them. Their faith was weak. And I know my faith is weak. And, um, but I, I've got to remember that I can't go back. Going back is just not an option. We've got to move forward in faith, in boldness and with tenderness for those around us so that we can, gather people and share the gospel and be, um, rather than being defensive, we need to be on the offensive. We need to evangelize, give people the truth so they too can break free from the bondage of the lies of the world. I would want to encourage listeners to give that same tenderness to themselves. That's a lovely point. Yeah. yeah, uh, I guess I'm really focusing on my temperament, but I think I I know that I can be um, hard on myself. So if there is an issue, seeking the the truth and the teachings of the church, have tenderness on your own heart 
in, in doing that. And the Lord will always be so gentle. He will always be so gentle. Mm-hmm. God is always calling us back because He loves us. That's right. And then that's where our freedom is. It's, we'll, our, our freedom mm-hmm. will always be in Jesus. So think about things that maybe I've wrestled with in my journey, things that I was doing that I was told were okay, but deep down really didn't feel right. And as I wrestled with them and I wrestled with God, the truth is always revealed through Him. And then I go, oh my gosh, the church really knew what they were talking about. So that's where freedom is. Yeah, definitely. That brings us to our Bible passage for the week. Becky, would you like to share that? Yes, we are going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3. And of course, this is one of the very well-known passage and talking about suffering, but you're doing it for right looking for a unity of spirit, sympathy, love of others, tender hearts, humble minds, not returning evil for evil, and you will obtain blessing for this because this is what you're called to do, okay? And um, so, it talks about even if you have to suffer for righteousness sakes, you will be blessed. Don't worry. Don't fear them. Don't be troubled for them. Um, And then in verse 15, which is our scripture for this episode, it says, But in your hearts, reverence Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and reverence. And keep your conscience clear so that when you are abused, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. It's great. And knowing that the Lord will never forsake us. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah, because even in that scripture, it goes on to talk. I mean, he gives the Bible. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he may bring us to God. So he's <laughs> he's laying out the, the gospel, baptism. This is now what saves you, he says in verse 21, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a clear conscience, that baptism, which now saves you, he says in verse 21. That's great. Thank you for pulling that out. It's really good. Mm-hmm. That also brings us to our call to action for the week. And we've prayed about that. And this is what we feel has been placed on our hearts. So this week, can we be open to God's prompting to tenderly speak the truth with someone who may not realize they are living in bondage, but can live in freedom? Now, that doesn't mean we have to go frantically thinking about, okay, who's messed up and how to just (laughs) sit and be available to God and he'll prompt you and he'll touch your mouth with the words to speak. Yeah. Absolutely. He'll, he'll give us time. He, he gives us plenty of opportunities. We just need to be open to hear him, hear his prompting. And Becky, that makes me think of our saint quote. And we turn once again to St. John Paul II. St. John Paul says, quote, 
Freedom consists not in doing what we like, but in having the right to do what we ought, end quote. Love that man. Yeah, I know. So many great, great, uh, impactful words. Very little snippets, which is great. And our uh, media frenzied, Twittered you know, culture, we, you know, he gives us some good little sound bites, I guess we could say. That's right. Yeah. He knew what a sound bite was before a sound bite knew what it was. Right? <laughs> Maybe he invented the sound bite because yeah. <laughs> he's that cool. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we thank you guys for joining us this week. We're so grateful for all of you who are joining us in the trenches. You can find our show notes on thrivinginthetrenches.com. Please subscribe, leave us a review on iTunes, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, where you can join the conversation. Thanks for coming. Whoa, whoa.